2: purpose to join Hercules and Victus and crew as they seek answers to these and other timeless questions and serve Mount Olympus by safeguarding the path of mystic ascension. Welcome to the Pride of Olympus. Welcome to Pride of Olympus. This is Hercules Invictus, and I'm greatly honored to announce Nick Curto presents The Urantia Book with host Nick Curto, and today his guest is Paul Fusich, a long-time Urantia book reader. Greetings and welcome, Nick. How are you?
1: Well, thank you, Hercules. Never better. Uh, Looking very much forward to this program, I think it's going to be quite interesting. As am I. I'll be here if you need me. Looking forward to listening. Okay, okay here we go. Uh, here we are. Uh, this is, again, Nick Curto presents the Arantia Book live podcast. I'm Nick Curto, your host. Um, a very brief background about me. Uh, I now live in Manhattan, and I have been here a very long part of my life. But I was born and raised in New England, uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, to be precise. I went to the Massachusetts College of Art and Design in Boston and uh, was the president of the Newman Club and the Drama Club. And after graduation, uh, after getting a, a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree, I headed directly to New York City to begin my advertising design career. And also, and I think this is important, to continue to explore My ongoing deep spiritual search, as well as many other big questions about life in general that we all have and want answered. Now, I first heard of the Orangia book while attending the All Souls Unitarian Church here in Manhattan's Upper East Side. Uh, and quickly found a wonderful study group uh, in Soho hosted by Robin and Helene Jorgensen. Now, that was back in 1989, and I now have been studying the Rancho Book for about 31 years. It doesn't seem possible, but that's the, that's the figure. Um, it has been Really, an expansive, breathtaking experience to explore this awesome, wonderful, and truly loving book. And I really do mean that. Now, the word Urantia, and I'm going to spell that, <clears throat> U-R-A-N-T-I-A, means our planet Earth. So this book is dedicated and written especially for the inhabitants of our planet Earth. Now, I'm a longtime member of the Urantia Society of Greater New York made up of Urantia book readers from New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, and Rhode Island, I may add. And I've been the past president and outreach chair and now serve on the outreach committee. And I've got to say that uh, uh, the uh, the committee is doing incredible things in this new year, as you will be hearing about in the future. Now, I host the uh, Urantia study group and that is in Manhattan in the West Village, sponsored by the American Society of Greater New York. Now, that meets the first and third uh, Sundays of each month throughout the year from 1 to 2 o'clock at the center on West 13th Street. Now, uh, I have to report, sadly enough, that right now, as you all know, everything is shut down for the moment, so there are no meetings uh, at the moment for the study group. I hope that, as long as everybody else agrees, we'll we'll be uh, changing that very soon and we'll be again i meet i really miss the people in the study group uh, that is a, a free group of course and uh, it's uh, open to all and we've had amazing people come in uh, wanting to know about the book and we are reading the book right now from the uh, fourth part of the book The book has four parts and that is the uh, life and teachings of jesus and uh, if you are a Bible student or if you're interested in the subject matter in any way, this is an incredible experience to be in the fourth part of that book. Now, you also can find that book online, the whole book. And I, I ask you, at some point, if you take a look at it, and if you want to go into the fourth part, again, The, the Life and Teachings of Jesus, uh, you'll see it. But the entire book, about 2,000 pages is on both of these amazing websites. I'm going to give them to you. The first one is www.urantiabook.org. so urantiabook.org. The other website is urantia.nyc. Both of them are incredible websites that have a lot of information about the book, and I urge you to take a look at that. Okay, now my uh, featured guest for this podcast tonight is a new good friend of mine and colleague, Paul. And, Paul, help me with your last name, please. It's pronounced Fusich. Thank you so much. I just didn't want to destroy that (laughs) last name. Thank you for that. And you're from North Kingston, Rhode Island, correct? Yes. Okay. And a very warm welcome to you, Paul. I'm so glad that you could join us tonight. And uh, I wanted to uh, tell the uh, the listeners that you have been reading the book, I believe, for 26 years or so. Is that right? That is correct. Fantastic. As uh, the old joke goes, you must be very tired. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> um <laughs> But it, it, it still works for me. I hope it does for you. Now, now well, I'd like to I, start right off. I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead. I was going to say,
3: this is a book you never get tired of reading.
1: Boy, I can really under underline that. Absolutely true. And we're going to get into all of that, and I'm looking forward to your opinions on that. Um, I'm going to start off this uh, interview, if I may, with your, the very beginning of your life, and go a little bit into that. So first, my question is, where were you born? Long Beach, California. Okay, okay. And did you, uh, were you born into a family with brothers and sisters, or were you the only child? What was that like? I, I
3: have four brothers.
1: Wow, wow. Are you the youngest, oldest, or in the between? I'm in the middle. So you got some real hand, handy-down clothes, I would imagine. Is that right? <laughs>
3: yeah, I guess you could say that, Nick.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, and what were your mom and dad like? Uh, were, they, were they all spiritual, and what kind of uh, jobs did they have? Or just a little bit about that, please.
3: Well, um, my huh. father and my mother were staunch Roman Catholics. And so we went to Catholic school until my mom pulled us out so as far as work was concerned pretty much mom and dad were uh laymen as far as that's concerned (laughs) my dad was a machinist and my mom worked at thrifty drug and discount store for 15 years
1: all right very good and you said that she pulled you out was there any particular reason that she did that
3: yeah, actually, the priest made a negative comment about my oldest brother Val, and my mom just said, "Okay, that that's it." She
0: she wow. just didn't
3: want us to go there anymore. Yeah, it just rubbed her the wrong way, and we were done. And I think I finished it from until the fourth grade.
1: <laughs> and then you escaped. <laughs> wow! Oh boy, and then, and then that's I escaped amazing. The clutches. And, and, and just one more question on that subject. Did he say the the priest made a negative comment about your brother? Was that in a public situation?
3: I think it might have been private.
1: Okay, okay. But your mom being a, a good mom was, of course, guarded about her children, and so that would not go over very well. So I can certainly understand that it she was not. quite uh, taken back by something like, oh, that's too bad. But anyhow, you did you did leave, and did you, your family go to any other uh, religious uh, institution at that point, or did you just say enough for a while? What happened with that?
3: No, they just pulled us out of uh, Catholic school and put us in public school, but they remained uh, staunch Catholics their entire life.
1: Okay, okay, very good. And I, I got to say, Paul, just an aside, that uh, when we got out of school when I was a kid, there, I was in a public school. Um, and my uh, a lot of other people were in private uh, uh, pub, uh, parochial schools but when when the parochial schools schools gone out amazingly enough, and this is true, there was more trouble, more <laughs> plants that were dug up or fights or things were going on from from those kids than from the public school and I thought that was always. Very interesting. You wouldn't have expected that, but the truth is that's really what happened. It's just Isn't that interesting funny? comment. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is, and you wouldn't expect that, but here we go. Now, also, I want to ask you just briefly about your your schooling. What was that like, and where'd you go?
3: Well, I basically was really I didn't have any good mentors in school. I didn't really have any great teachers, and I had a hard time with school, and I didn't like it. And so, when the high school was over, I went into the Marine Corps after that, and I never did any college. I did not want to continue school after high school. I was done.
1: Gotcha. I can understand that uh what was the Marine Corps Now that's quite a big step there. Uh, how did you find it uh
3: I would not trade that time for anything yeah. in the world. That was some of the the most vivid memories of my life were in the Marine Corps. And I was just in a short period of time. It was just a, you know, it's always a six-year enlistment, and I went in during Carter, and I got did three years active and
1: three years inactive. Very good. Wow. Wow. I, well, I'm glad that you feel that way about your service. Good for you. And um, then also I'm going to just jump a little bit to when – during this time or perhaps a little in the future of that time, did you come across something called the Urantia book? How did that happen? Well, actually, I was I came to
3: the Urantia book through A Course in Miracles. And what happened was I went briefly to visit a Course in Miracles teacher in Cincinnati, and he had the Urantia book on his bookshelf. And it was funny because in unison, his girlfriend and I, both looked at the bookshelf and kind of pointed to the book at the same time and said, what's this? And he just kind of blew it off because he was so in love with the Course of Miracles. He says, oh, that's just the Urantia book. And <laughs> he might have said a few things about it, but Monica and I pulled it off the shelf. And as soon as I read the first sentence, not just the first paragraph, as soon as I read the first sentence, I was hooked. And I realized that the book came to me. Because really, Course in Miracles came to me, but the Urantia book also found me.
1: Found you big time. How wonderful. Really, how wonderful that, that was. And what an experience. Uh, you know, I always knew when I left the, um, my, my college in Boston and came to New York for my career, I always felt that I wanted to uh, look for other spiritual callings and explore them. Um, and I did. And uh, I was very fortunate to meet some amazing people of different backgrounds and different spiritual callings. And it was all an amazing experience. And uh, I, I somehow hoped in my heart that I would find something that truly resonated to me. And although the Bible did on many levels, somehow I wanted more. I wanted to find something more than that. And I didn't know where to look. I just didn't. So I just explored it all, like I told you. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I decided to go uh, for uh, after leaving the uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, where I was there for a, a little while. And I said, you know what, let's go to something else. And in my neighborhood, there's something called the All Souls Unitarian Church. And I was told by friends that that has uh, – uh, a wide variety of readings from, from the service, anything they feel is valid that they'll read from the, the sources. And so I thought, well, that's that's like a smorgasbord of all the great world spiritual calling. So, yeah. And I started going every single Sunday, and I did that for two years. And it was a good experience, and I did hear a lot of different uh, spiritual calling references and text. And they were all interesting, but nothing grabbed me. You know what I'm saying there. It's just something wasn't quite resonating at that point. And after two years, on a bright Sunday morning, I went to the church, uh, and uh, he read from different sources. I think he read from the Torah, the Bible. I think he read from E.E. E. Cummings, if I'm not mistaken. And then he said, for our final reading, this was on the altar in a pulpit, he said, we're going to have a reading from the Arantia book. And I thought, well, that's interesting. That might be something from uh, Asia. It's such a funny name. I've never heard the word Mm -hmm. Urantia before. And so he read beautifully about two paragraphs of the Urantia book. Um, Paul, the only thing I can describe it, and you'll get this, I'm sure, and some of our listeners will too, I felt like I was hit with a spiritual truck. (laughs) Whoa! That's the way it works. You're right. That is exactly the way it works. And after that, he said, you know, go in peace or something like that. And everybody filed out. It was a fairly large church. So A lot of people filed out. And finally, I was the only one sitting there. And I said to myself, I need another, maybe 10 or 15 minutes to recover in a good way. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I sat there alone in that church for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then tried to remember the name, and because if I if I didn't remember the name, how would I find it? So I kept saying the name, and uh, I looked it up eventually, and boom, uh, I couldn't find anything on it. Um, and this was before the internet, by the way. You know, the, so what happened was uh, my uh, my partner was dying of AIDS at the time in our home, and um, he asked me if I would go to an expo where they're going to have a lot of different uh, cutting edge uh, medical findings and, and things like that. And would I get for him the latest uh, data on AIDS research? Of course I would do anything for, for Jeff. I said, of course I will. So I did and I did find what he wanted. And then there was a door that said spiritual and I opened the door and it was a gigantic room with maybe maybe 50 tables of various kinds. And I looked, and all the way in the back, in big letters on a banner, it was the word, Urantia. Oh, my
0: God. Wow. Holy
1: what are the uh, odds? Can you Can you imagine? I mean, Paul, really. So I went, oh, boy, here we go. So I'm walking towards that. And, again, it was fairly back in the room. And all the tables had literature, and everybody was standing uh, in front of their tables handing me out Sending out to me all their literature. Thank you, thank you. Yes, I will read it later. Thank you. And I was going through all that on both sides of the aisle, and finally I got to the table that said Yarancha, and there were like about four people, if I remember right. And I I said, uh, I would love to know more about this book. I just I just heard of it, and one of the people there. And by the way, they're all my dearest, dearest friends now. But one of the people there, and I don't remember which one it was, said, you know, in about five minutes, we've got uh, about a half an hour on the main stage. It's the only time we're going to have this whole weekend to talk about this book. Would you like to come and hear that? It's about a half an hour. And then please come back to the table and we'll try to answer anything you have to, to, to ask us. And, and the person also said it would be our honor. I thought that was interesting. I said, sure, okay, I'll go with you, so I did, but I sat in the back row because I just didn't know what I was getting into yet, in a way, so I did, and after about a minute or two, I got up, and I went to the front row center, (laughs) because it it was just, again, it was just resonating to me on so many levels, I thought, oh, boy, these, these are my friends, these are my people, and what they're talking about is incredible. So anyhow, I, I just wanted to, to put that in there, Paul, because it does hit you like that. Um, did, yeah. How did you explore uh, the book? Did you go uh, from beginning to end or did you jump around chapter to chapter? or what? How, how, how do you do that?
3: I read it from cover to cover. In fact, I read did it you? cover to cover the first three times I read it. But wow. when I started reading it, I needed to get out a dictionary and I read the four, I had to read the foreword about seven times before I could start understanding it. I actually remember reading it seven times through and of course (laughs) reading it with the dictionaries because there were some, there are, it is a college level book and uh, I would advise anybody that um, maybe doesn't have the vocabulary. I'm a layman. So I have had at the time a layman's vocabulary and I needed that dictionary and that's what I did. And I, The reason why I did that is because I wanted to understand the concepts of the forward. And the reason why I read it over seven times is because the forward is the introduction to the book. And the terms in the forward are going to be used later on in the book, which the book states. And I was so into this book, I figured, you know, I'm going to do this the right way. And I'm going to read through this forward, and I'm going to understand these concepts in the book so that when I get into the book, I'll have the background that I need to, to comprehend the book. But, yeah, I read it cover to cover three times initially.
1: Uh, I give you a lot of credit for that, and to our listeners who don't know yet, it is a very difficult – for my money, it's the most difficult part of the book. But Paul is exactly right when he said that. You, you should read it uh, at least a few times because as, every time you read it, things start getting a little bit clearer, and you start understanding what the words mean and some of the terms are words you've never heard before. So it takes a little bit of processing to do that. And, Paul, how many times did you say you went through the first section?
3: Um, you mean the foreword? No. Yeah. I'm, yeah. The very first time I read the book, I didn't continue past the foreword until I read it at least seven times. I think I read, probably read through it ten times so that I could get a good understanding of it and then I started with chapter 1 after that
1: right and, and the first uh the first part of uh, the first part of the four part book and also Paul wasn't that a very difficult uh read the, the first uh, of the four parts of the book
3: well part 1 once I once I got a handle on the foreword part 1 was a difficult read but not I was very interested in it now, most people start off with part four, which is the life and teachings of Jesus, but I was extremely interested in part one, part two, and, and part three, as well as part four. I was interested in the entire book, and I wanted to read it the way they presented it to us, and so um, it was hard, and that's why I sat with the dictionary, but um, I loved what I read in, in, in part one. Part one has some extremely fascinating topics we could we could talk about part one for
2: hours
1: and do (laughs) yes that's true so sometime by the way when you come back and i hope you will i'd like to just maybe talk about part one with you because there's so much in there and i just think that would be quite an interesting uh, podcast so uh, perhaps in the late spring or early summer we might do that possibly sure Sure, uh, I would love that. I would love that. I think that would be very good for our listeners too, too. Because what you're saying is exactly, exactly right. Now, it's coming from a also a uh, Roman Catholic background. My uh, aunt was a nun in the Catholic Church, and it, and when I was in my late teens, it was a choice. I think of do I want to be a priest or do I want to go into the graphic design art world? And it was a, a decision I made. <clears throat> And at that time the uh, the Catholic Church was saying things that really were upsetting me, and I thought, i don't think that Jesus would want this said I want these these some of these things that were being said. I just thought that doesn't make any sense and at one point, you got to hear this. I was in with my father. this was a uh, a Catholic church, and it was in the uh, Italian uh, south end section of Springfield because his family was from that that area. And the priest of the pulpit got up and said, Paul, I couldn't even make this up. He said, I'm going to read a list of all the families who haven't contributed their fair share to the, to the church fund. My goodness. I thought, oh, my, oh, my, no, you couldn't. And then he read off all the family names of everyone who hadn't given a contribution yet. Yeah,
3: that's most unfortunately t- – unfortunate to publicly humiliate them like that
1: I couldn't believe that they would even do something like that especially in a church
4: I, I just yeah, said you know what here,
1: I'm out of here this is one of those things that really upset me a great deal and, I said, and also um, when they were, they were preaching there was a lot of a fiery brimstone and they were talking about t- t- the um, to be afraid of, of, of God to be afraid, that whole fear thing. And I thought, no, I don't think that's right at all. I don't fear him. I love him. I don't fear him. And sometimes you'll hear people say, I'm a God-fearing Christian. And I'm thinking, what? You're a God-fearing Christian? Something was wrong with that. I don't think that Jesus would have liked to hear that. So, I think anyhow, that I'm
3: because people are incorrectly taught that, unfortunately.
1: Uh, and that's surprising. It, that is very, very surprising. But that's, again, one of those things that was going on at the time, and that's when I said I really got to explore other spiritualities. I just do. So that was one of the things that launched me uh, into a, a, a very deep exploration. Um, now, I have to tell you that when I first got the book, uh, in my hands, and I went to the table of contents, and there were certain chapters and certain uh, uh, titles that totally intrigued me. You now, what do they say about angels? What do they say about life after death? Uh, is there a hell? Is there a, is there a heaven? All these questions. Who was Jesus? Um, what was his wife really like? And so. I I skipped around, to be honest. I think it was about a month of going in and just going to different chapters and getting kind of a a smorgasbord, if you will. And then after that, I went, okay, now I'm ready. And then, of course, I opened the book and went from start to finish. And I uh, I latched on to um, a wonderful uh, Rancher book study group uh, run by Robin and Lee Jorgensen, lovely, lovely people. And they had a fairly large group in Soho, and that's where I studied the book for many, many years. And that was, again, um, a wonderful experience. So I was so fortunate and blessed to have all that around me that I could, I could partake of. Um, what part of the book, um, if I may ask, were there any sections of the book that especially resonated to you big time? Now, I know that's a tough question, but uh, is there anything you can think of there that really stood out? In the very beginning, um,
3: I would have to say I was most impressed with the foreword, which is funny because it's the most difficult part of the book. And I think <laughs> I was as, as impressed with part one, which is probably the second most difficult part of the book. I don't True. know why I was so impressed with them. Um, but the feeling I got in reading this book is, has a lot to do with what you just talked about. What happens is um, people like you and I, Nick, we're seekers, and we want answers. And when we're young and we're going through these institutional churches, we have questions. And there were so many questions that went unanswered to me as a kid. My father was the most loving man I've ever known. And I kept thinking to myself, how can God be this way when my father seems to be a lot more loving? That doesn't make any sense. God has Hmm. to be more loving than my own dad. Something's not right here. And I had other questions about um, the stories in the Bible which didn't seem to jive um, and I couldn't get answers and the thing about the Urantia book is if you have a spiritual question somewhere in that book, there's an answer. It is the answer book on this planet at this time. It's It's not only the most important book that has ever been written. It is phenomenal, the information that is in the book, if you take the time, if you're patient, and if you study
1: it. Paul, I couldn't agree with you more on every point you just mentioned. Absolutely true. And uh, I talk about the limitless love of the Rancher book because I found that from page one that I was in – the midst of the most loving uh, text, the most deeply profound text I'd ever imagine I would be reading. And I never to this day have never uh, gone away from that feeling that this is total love. This is limitless love, limitless understanding. And it's everything that I hope and prayed would be in a spiritual text That I could eventually seek and find You made a very good point Nick Most
3: people that are religious Unfortunately we've all been taught by institutional religions And what is more important in that realm Is to be right And yet the real important thing in religion Is to be loving Not to be right Love is what God is Love is what we are Love is the goal
1: Absolutely true. And, and when you don't find that love in whatever you're reading or studying, think about that for a moment, because something is wrong, the The red lights are blinking. And yeah. uh, you have to, You have to, and sometimes it's rough to say, you know, maybe this isn't right. Maybe I need to start seeking and where do I go. But you know what, that journey has incredible dividends as uh, you and I certainly and many, many Thousands of people have found with the Arantia book, Uh, and it was worth worth the, what shall I say, the spiritual journey that we're on. It was worth the seeking, and there were a lot of dead ends. Yes, there were, but you just keep going until you you want something to resonate for true, for real, and when you find it, whoa, oh boy, right? It's nothing in the world like that.
3: You know, the agnostic and the atheist community, and this is one of the parts of part one that really stood out to me. They always have this question, well, if God's real, why is there so much suffering and why is the world the way it is? And there's a section um, in part one talks about the uncertainties of life and the vicissitudes of existence do not in any manner contradict the concept of the universal sovereignty of God. All evolutionary creature life is beset by certain inevitabilities. Consider the following. And, for instance, number one, is courage, strength of character, desirable? Then must man be reared in an environment which necessitates grappling with hardships and reacting to disappointments. As soon as I read that, I'm like, oh, my God, this is a list of all the the things that I've been searching for why we go through all, why it is important for us to go through maybe some of the hardships and some of the things, that, the difficulties in life. This is this is why we're going through them, and that part really stood out for me. That was one of the first initial sections of the book that kind of hooked me.
1: <laughs> I can really understand what you're saying. There, absolutely true, and and because of free choice, free will is what we have. God gave us that. And so we make choices, and we being all of mankind makes choices. And some of those are very good choices and loving choices, and some of them are hateful, awful choices. Uh, and, and so that then ricochets and plays in the pattern of life. And life, and God gave us free will, which is a huge blessing, a huge gift. At the same token, it does carry with it responsibilities, And, and it also then ripples because if you're a loving person, and I'm sure that you can give me many examples of that, that loving ripple effect goes all over the place and touches a lot of people like a little drop of water on a pond. And also, if you're a hateful person, if you are evil and and just a nasty person, that also can rip uh, rip it all over the pond. And it can touch many, many people, in fact, all over the world in some cases. So we are charting our own course here, and it's a real responsibility. Sure is. And uh, that's that's really a part of that answer too. But that's that's yeah. I, I hear people say things like that, and then if you put those examples in their path, sometimes I'll get a aha. You know, like like a little a little breath of light is coming in, and okay, yeah, that does make some sense. But uh, were there any particular parts of the um, the book? That uh, for for answers to deep questions. That again, you mentioned a couple other other things in that book. I know there's a lot, but other things, especially that you wanted to find answers to.
3: Well, they're all over the book as far as answers. But yes, um, I had, like I mentioned, I had difficulty. Um, I guess understanding why my father was such a loving person and yet why the things that they were teaching me about God didn't seem to be as loving as my father. And then the <laughs> stories in the book um, about how, you know, God needed to kill everybody and flood everybody because he was upset, that didn't make any sense to me. God wa- And also, Jesus needing to be sacrificed because we're bad. It's, it just yep. seemed to me... Like the God that I was learning about was more manlike than godlike, and that did not sit no. well with me. And I needed, I needed something more. In fact, you know what was funny, Nick? If I had this question in my heart when I was very, very young, and I thought, look, if religion's going to be real, why would God stop talking to us 2,000 years ago? That makes no sense at all. And it's Hmm. funny because I was born in 1960, and sure enough, the Urantia book was printed before I was born. I had the answer to that question in print before I was even born. God never stopped talking to us 2,000 years ago. We we should tell our our
1: listeners that the book was published uh, in uh, Chicago in 1955. That's when the book came out so interesting point interesting point there and uh I know that the uh the people uh the readers at the time uh sent that the Urantia book brand new Rancha book to many of the uh if not all of the world's spiritual leaders because they wanted to share what the the knowledge that the rancha book had in the book. Uh, I wish I was there at that moment when the uh when they when they delivered the book to the uh the Urantia readers. Uh, and believers uh, that first time when the book came in probably in cartons and they finally had a printed version of the book. Can you imagine? Yeah. Would have been quite a moment for them for sure. Uh, that's, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing story. I mean, the whole thing is such an amazing story about how we got the Arantia book and how it has, I believe it's now 27 world languages has been translated into <clears throat> That's an incredible feat to do something like that. Uh, 27 world languages. And by the way, all of the Urantia book in all those languages is available on those two websites. So if you're Korean or Chinese or Greek or whatever, 27 world languages are, are now on, uh, uh, translated for the Urantia book. And you can read that all for free on the websites. So, again, that is quite a loving a project and accomplishment for the community to do something like that. Yeah. I, it's just, a, it's an amazing accomplishment. And right now I know for a fact that there are more translations being worked on as we speak. So uh, I'm sure that they're going to hit 30 within a year or two. Uh, how wonderful that is. And what an amazing project, because it's a little more than 2000 pages and it's, it's uh its certainly some of it is is very deep and a bit complicated reading. So translating that into other languages, I can't even imagine that task. It's it's no easy,
3: and it's a labor no, of love when it's done.
1: And I, I give everyone who worked on or is working on those projects just amazing credit and thanks for 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 doing such an amazing thing. And so the world will have the Orange book in all the main languages. Uh, if not already very soon, And uh, more people that starting reading this book. And what you said too is once you start reading, you said the first sentence, and I, I totally get what you just said, Paul. Because yes, uh, when I started reading it, it was, oh boy, this is it. This is what I've been looking for all my life, and I'm I'm holding the book. It was, and it still is to this day, an exciting experience to have the book and to pick it up and to, to read it. And don't you find that there's so many things that even though you've read it many times, it's still like fresh and in depth.
3: Well, that's the, that's the magic of the Urantia book. Um, I've read it five times cover to cover and longtime readers who have read it 10 times cover to cover. There are all, all of us will say the same thing to you when you ask us the question. Every time we read the book, it is almost as if we're reading a brand new book. It has so much information in it, there is no way to assimilate that information in one lifetime. I don't care if you're reading the book cover to cover every year of your life and you've read it 50 times. There's no way you're going to be able to memorize it. The information in the book is, in some parts, it's very dense. One sentence could ring true for you, and resonate an aspect of your life that will carry you through your life. For instance, there's some quotes about philosophy in a certain section of the Arantia book where it talks about uh, the next life. And um, the philosophic quotes that have rang to me when the first time I read them is, is, Impatience is a spirit poison. Anger is like a stone hurled into a hornet's nest. And when I first read that, I had to repeat that in my head many, many times. It was a mantra for me because I had anger issues. And another one, um, anxiety must be abandoned. The disappointments hardest to bear are those which never come. All of us suffer from at least a little bit of anxiety, especially when we're traveling. And and especially in light of uh, what's happening lately with the virus. Oh,
4: yes. Yes.
3: It's, and that was a mantra that I had to sing in my head many, many times, and it helped to calm me down. So this is what happens when you read this book. You're going to find pearls of wisdom, and you're going to find examples of things in your life that you need to hear, that you can use throughout your life, that will help you with the difficult things in your life what we're talking about here is the spirit realm communicating with the human realm and they're doing it through this revelation but they're not just doing it through this revelation because once you read the revelation you understand the arena of angelic the angelic realm that is serving you behind the scenes that you don't even know about You're not even consciously aware of it, but you will find that parts of your life will synchronize and you will feel and experience that they're there helping you.
1: You know, Paul, you're identifying uh, a very important point here too. And I I have that on my notes to uh, try to uh, talk a little bit about uh, uh, this podcast this evening, and that is America and of course the world is going through a very, very difficult time right now. Um, it, it hit us like a ton of bricks. Um, it, it, it it just closed down almost everything we go to uh, transportation wise, work wise, all of that churches are closed. Everything is closed and so forth. There's a tremendous amount of uh, fear, fear, true fear, deep, deeply rooted in a lot of people. And, I have to say though that most people have gone beyond that and I've never seen so many loving people helping each other than now and that I, I just think that's a that's a very interesting I, I'm not surprised at that but I'm I'm thrilled that that's happening that people are caring so much about one another and I've seen that all over the place and uh my, my personal friends, as well as strangers, that we we get on an elevator and we all are talking, and we get very deep very quickly because we all feel as though we're we're trying to get through something difficult. And what you said about the Orange book, uh, there's so much spiritual love in that book that I, you always come out of that book feeling tremendous, feeling love, loving, feeling that this is a, 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 a beautiful, challenging world we're living in, and there's going to be some big challenges, and there's going to be some big rewards also. And it's all about how we handle the challenges. And the Urantia book sets such a, a pace, such a, a goal of who we should be, what we should be like. And to in, in the case of the fourth part of the book, Uh, following Jesus' uh, examples because he had a lot of problems facing him, huge, huge problems, and how he dealt with that and what he did uh, not only to counsel uh, strangers as well as his family and and how he got through some really bad times. And it just, I would say to anybody going through some real challenges right now, take a look at the Arantia book. Just go ahead because – I think it's gonna give you hope and it's gonna give you love. And we Paul, we've never needed that more than right now. Would you not agree?
3: I would agree. There's a section here it says, as we're speaking, even as mortals, so have these angels been father to many disappointments. And they will point out that sometimes your most disappointing disappointments have become your greatest blessings. And it's funny Mm. because this is a time period. That is, it's not going to tear us apart. This will bring us together.
1: And and it has. I I, I, I have seen it with my own eyes and ears. Exactly. It really has on so many levels. I'm sure. Yep. Now you just came a, a big trip to Mexico. And you just came from there. Um, what was that like as far as uh, how they're coping with this? And then and you came off the plane, had to go through the airport, and then back home. Just I would just like to ask you that. Like, what were your what were you experiencing then as far as people?
3: Well, I just got back um, early this morning, about 3 a.m., and I was there wow. for six nights. I was there oh, for boy. six nights. And um, when I left Rhode Island, we were just starting to close. We had closed down the restaurants and the bars. And mm-hmm. um, when I got to Mexico City, nothing had been, nothing was really changing just yet. There were, there were people, of course, they did check our temperature they were one day ahead of us in the airports they did check my temperature when i got off the plane but i didn't see the city start shutting down until after the president made the announcement that he was working with the mexican government and then i think the president of mexico made a statement on friday and then a bar started closing earlier and you started see started to see the city slowly shutting down I mean, it's warmer over there. The climates, you know, they, they have very few cases. But then again, the cases are starting to creep up. And so it's time mm-hmm. for them to start at, reacting. And that's exactly what they're doing. And at the time that I started leaving, the streets were, when I, <laughs> we left for the airport, the streets were pretty much dead on the way to the airport. It was, you know, it was just a huge difference in, in a matter of just a couple of days.
0: And, oh, absolutely. And, of course, going,
3: going through the airport after I got back home, You could tell that everyone was um, very protective about, you know, keeping their hands clean, not touching their face. Um, Everyone had their own, pretty much their own aisle to themselves on the airplane or at least the three seats uh, and one section, they had that that to themselves. Everyone was helping everyone uh, making sure that, uh, you know, if if they wanted their own aisle, they got their own aisle on the plane on the way back. So, you know, everyone's working together to make sure that they're helping one another, which is just what you said.
1: Uh, how, how long was that trip, uh, Paul, from uh, Mexico City uh, back here to New York?
3: Well, one day, they, I did have a flight cancellation, and I was just put on a later flight. Okay. Consolidated. Okay. They consolidated flights all onto one flight, which makes sense. The airlines are really yeah, hurt, okay. right.
1: And uh, when you got to uh, the uh, airport here in the, in uh, New York, um, did what happened there? How was it different than usual? Dead. Okay. Really? Okay. Just, and um yeah, you take just your temperature? Very, you
2: when very you few
3: travelers. Lessons? It seemed like my plane was the only plane that got off there, you know. It was just there was only a couple of landings at the time that we got there. We got there at 1130 at night. So we might have been one of the last flights in.
1: I bet you were. I bet you were indeed. Wow. Wow. Oh boy. What an experience. What an experience. And you said you got home this morning about 3 a.m. Yes. Wow. How how are you? feeling?
3: rented a car car from LaGuardia and and turned it in here to right down the street.
1: Oh, okay. Good. That's good. Then you walked the rest home?
3: Uh, I turned the car in today and, and walked home. Yeah. It's just right down the street.
1: Oh, that's uh, I'm glad of that. I'm glad of that. Uh, I know that sometimes when I've gone on big trips and I come home and I am just a zombie for, for a couple of days. And, uh, I got to say right here, Paul, that also thank you so much. Uh, Cause I know that this was, uh, what you were doing. And when you were coming back to, uh, to, uh, New York city. And I, uh, I appreciate the fact that, uh, you you did the pad, the podcast. Uh, you continue to do that, and you you obviously you're you're, you're in your game. You were you. you know, I don't feel as though you're you're tired at all. But I bet you. I'm going to bet you tonight. You, when you hit the pillow, you're going to go. You're going to be gone. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps probably, I, I probably got sleep.
3: I probably got a good six hours of sleep this morning, and then I turned the rental car in. So
1: yeah, <laughs> probably. We'll see that. what happens. It takes, you know, couple of days to really come back if it's a major trip like that, you know, but wow, what an experience, what an experience. Unbelievable. Um, Now a lot of the the listeners have, haven't uh, probably either, haven't heard of the Arantia book or uh, probably have heard very little. So I I just, in the minutes coming, we got about maybe eight minutes left or so. I just wanted to ask you, um, in your own words, um, what would you like to leave uh, with the, our listeners, especially the ones who haven't uh, opened the book yet? What would you like to uh, tell them, uh, as far as um, perhaps they want to take a chance and read some of the Arantia book? What, what would you like to say to them directly? A few things.
3: First of all,
1: if you're if you've
3: ever had any questions about your religious life and if you're having a hard time with your institutional religion if you're seeking the rancher book is the book for seekers if there's a spiritual question you have there's an answer in that book it is 2097 pages of fine print there's over a million and a quarter words in the book there is so much information in the Urantia book that you it, you could not absorb it in this lifetime. It is an incredible wealth of information. And as far as I'm concerned, it's not only the most important spiritual book that has ever been in print. It is the most important book that's ever been in print. It is the greatest history book that's ever been printed because it has the life and teachings of the most important historical figure ever. That person is Jesus of Nazareth. And it, is, it has 770 pages of every year of his life. And this is another thing that I was questioning as a small boy, as a teenager. Where are all the detailed conversations between the apostles and Jesus? I know that the apostles had questions they asked Jesus. Because I have tons of questions. And sure enough, I found that book 25 years ago. And The Life and Teachings of Jesus has all those detailed conversations between Jesus and his apostles. And you will read through the 12 apostles, and you will find one that you can relate to. I relate to the apostle Thomas, who is considered Hmm. the doubter. But I relate to Thomas because he was the scientist of the group. He was the acid test of the apostolic group. If Jesus hadn't been a, hadn't been um the real deal, it would have never held a man like Thomas from start to finish. So I relate to Thomas.
1: Good point. Good and, points all together. Wow. Wow. That's and, and, and you're totally that right note, on On that
2: note, we have to start wrapping up uh, uh, because Michael and Diane are waiting uh, for the next uh, segment. This has been a very fascinating uh, program. I listened and raptured, and I learned a lot. Thank you to both of you.
1: Thank you. You're more than welcome. Um, Hercules, you are, and I said this before, and I'm going to say it again, you are one of the dearest men I've ever met. and You are the best producer anybody could ever hope to have, and I just thank you so much. For, for that. I'm greatly honored by ordinance. your words.
2: And you're, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure, Nick.
1: And Paul, I want to say to you that uh, a very heartfelt thanks for being on the show and for sharing your personal story and your insights about the Arantia book uh, for us all tonight. And uh, you are, my friend, invited back. Uh, hopefully, we can schedule something in the later spring. I would love to have you back, and then we could talk. Um, but maybe just maybe about the forward and the first part of the book, something like that.
3: Perfect. Thanks so much for uh-huh. having me, Nick. It's been a pleasure. Oh, what a pleasure. Pleasure.
1: And, and let's and, do it again. My honor. My honor. Uh, this is Nick Curtle for the Arantia Book, wishing you all uh, an enlightened journey. Until next time, please explore the limitless love of the Arantia Book. Stay safe and be kind to one another. Goodbye for now.
2: And uh, before you go, just want to let everybody know that starting this Saturday, when we're going to do an introduction to the life of Nick Curto, um, afterwards, uh, every Saturday, uh, except for the fifth Saturday of the month for now, will be Nick Curto Presents on our new channel uh, on Blog Talk Radio. So please uh, uh, stay tuned for more information on that. I know I'm certainly looking forward
1: to it. Well, thank you for that, Hercules. And I've already lined up some of the most amazing people on all the uh, four different themes of of my podcast. Four d- different themes, and it will be the first uh, that will be the Sat first sat- the Saturday from nine to ten every Saturday for the first four Saturdays. And I am really looking forward to that.
2: Me too. Talk to you on Saturday, my friend. If not before, be well.
1: Love to all. Bye bye.
2: Bye-bye. And we're going to listen to Kaliana's Artemis of the Hunt. And Kaliana's coming with us to the new station with her music.
5: Artemis of the silver bow And arrows formed of silver light Eternal maiden of the moon Beloved leader of the hunt She stalks her prey fleet and fast With quiver hung across her back The hunt, her power, and her bliss When loose, her arrows never miss May I run with you now through the green forest glade Grant me the honor to join in the chase When the curve of my bow is the crescent moon Artemis, guide my arrow true Artemis, guide my arrow true Of the wild things and forest nymphs running free. Her bird is the majestic crane, the silver fir, her sacred tree. Goddess of the moon and hunt, running towards the morning light, she runs with lion, wolf, and bear, running free with unbound hair. May I run with you now through the green forest glade? Grant me the honor to join in the chase. When the curve of my bow is the crescent moon, Artemis guide my arrow true. Artemis guide my arrow true. Goddess of the raging seas. The waves with a silver leash, and with a cry and mighty roar, she hurls them fast upon the shore. Moon maiden rides the night sky in a chariot drawn by four white stags. She sets down in a hidden place and calls her maidens to the chase. May I run with you now through the green forest glade, grant me the honor to join in the chase when the curve of my bow is the crescent moon. Artemis, guide my arrow true. Artemis, guide my arrow true. May I run with you now through the green forest glade, grant me the honor to join in the chase when the curve of my bow is the crescent moon. Guide my arrow true Artemis, guide my arrow true Artemis guide my arrow true Artemis guide my arrow true
2: Greetings and welcome back to Pride of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus and I am greatly honored to introduce Michael and Diane Duncan uh, with Gabriel's Worldwide Religion of Love. And they have an important message to bring us from the Universal Father. Greetings and welcome.
6: Greetings, Hercules. It's (laughs) wonderful to be with you again.
7: Yes, we're so. Same here. (laughs) Thank you.
2: So, what is this exciting message that you have to share? I'm looking forward to it all day.
6: Well, thank you uh, again for uh, allowing us to have this show on your station, Hercules. And what a wonderful and blessed ministry that you do for uh, all the people on Earth and all the people that are, uh, you know, tuning in to... What God has to say, especially at this uh, very important, hopeful, positive time in Earth's history, we want to we want to emphasize the word hope, and we want to emphasize the word positive. Uh, and then there's a third word that's very very important for this time. And we'll get into uh, the local universe Father's message. And, of course, the universal Father is involved uh, because this is to become a beacon of light eventually, according to the universal Father's will. Uh, but getting awesome. into the, the, the message of the local universe, the other word is opportunity. Yes. That this is an opportunity for us. To stop, to slow down, to be jarred out of our normal routines, as I see a lot of Starbucks are closed, so people have to go to different Starbucks, you know, <laughs> uh, and different places and do different things and think about different things, and of course there's a uh, some feel like it's a specter that's looming, and some feel like God is talking to us, and some think you know it's just a bunch of hogwash. So people are really thinking and reflecting about what's happening uh but the the messages that we're getting from the celestials as is uh, are is that this is a time of opportunity for us to really think about what our life has been like to think about what we have been doing, how we've been acting, how we've been treating others, uh, but also a time for us to open our hearts and our minds to thinking about God. Yes.
2: That is uh, very profound, and uh, uh, it has changed and disrupted uh, our uh, daily routines that we've lost ourselves in, and uh, a lot of people are starting to have a difficult time uh, handling the fact that they they don't have to run around uh, and be busy all the time. Mm-hmm.
7: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, we we are coming to the conclusion that rather than being fearful or being afraid of all of these changes, that they really have an underlying point of opportunity. Um, when I had this vision on march the fifth of the father i i was just going about my normal work i was rushing around the house i was trying to get ready to pick up my child i'd just been with michael to do all the morning chores i was exhausted but i i put them away the groceries i I uh, said, I'll take care of everything with Alex. I'll go to the school and I'll run down there and get him. Don't you worry, Michael, because Michael had to go to work very soon. And I ran upstairs to get ready. And all of a sudden, there was an explosion of light
2: Ooh.
7: above my head. An explosion and I've, I've mentioned this to you, Hercules, already, because yeah. we've talked about it. But uh, there was also noise. But it was not noise of music or anything that was uh, relaxing. It was churning. It was like machinery type of thing. It was very um, disorienting. And the light was uh, just blazing. It was a blazing light. Above my head, in like the shape of a lampshade. As I had mentioned to you, if you had a lampshade over your head, just blazing with lights, different lights going off here and there with geometric, um, uh, it looked like designs made of lights around the lampshade. Wow. And then I bars saw the drawing
2: that you yeah. it. It, it. It was wonderful. Uh-huh. I saw the drawing that you had made and uh, oh. yes it, uh, it captured <laughs> that whole feeling
7: <laughs> well that was the feeling I wanted to give that it was just really uh, over totally overwhelming and I was not afraid in my heart but I knew I could not live like that and I wondered what on earth was going on now actually the drawing shows the the circle of light going around my head, but it was actually above my head. Uh, it was above my head, just as if you put a lampshade above your head, and or the a bars chandelier, or right? a chandelier. I, I told Michael at first I thought it was like a blazing chandelier. Uh, I, I've used many words to try and describe it, and I, I've had a difficult time, but. The bars of light came down from the, the uh, structure, we'll say, that was above my head. And they were about, each bar was about two inches wide of white light, pure white light. And they were separated each bar from another about, oh, three inches maybe, something like that, all the way around me and going all the way down, all How the long? way down. So as long as from your head to wow. your... Um, well, actually, they may have, I really wasn't completely aware of any bars around my legs or feet, but I, I was aware of them going down through my whole body to to my uh, we'll say, uh, knees or at that at that point. But the thing about this was, I really wasn't afraid. In my heart, I wasn't afraid. You know, the Melchizedek, in a meeting I told you about two Hercules, told us not mm-hmm. to fear. Do not be afraid yes, and-, and do not fear of what happens. And I really wasn't. But I was very concerned because um, I-, I knew I couldn't live like that, and I was I was not sure how I could get out of it to be honest with you so there was noise but it was not noise that is recognizable it was almost like machine type of 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 noise and that so I can't describe it I really can't but then all of a sudden in front of me I saw the father and he was standing there full length and full size and he had a white robe on the floor And he was only about three, four feet away from me. The wall was only about three or four feet away from me, and he was right in front of the wall, but I could no longer see the wall or anything of the room except a little tiny bit of the wall to the right of me. And that was all. I was upstairs. At this point, I realized um, Michael was down there, and I should have been at the school. And I called down. I had the presence of mind called down the stairs i didn't couldn't leave I couldn't move, of course, I called down to Michael that I couldn't go pick up Alex and that he would have to, and i said I told him I said i'm dizzy, I can't go now I really wasn't wow. dizzy i was I was in perfect presence of mind, but i but I also knew that I was done for because, probably because I knew I couldn't. I couldn't, you know, live with that going on, you know, and I thought maybe nice. I had had an aneurysm or heart attack or something, and I really did. I thought my brain had exploded or something, but I still felt calm, and I couldn't understand that. So the father was there, and I. the first thing I asked him, and I, I mean, I knew it was him, but I still said, I said, is it really you, father? Are you really there? And he answered. He spoke to me. He spoke just like he did in the first um, uh, time that I had an encounter in 2013. And that's been six years ago, Hercules. You know, I never thought I'd ever have an encounter like this again in my life until after I died. I honestly didn't. I didn't think this could ever possibly happen again, But, um, but it did. Uh, Yes, he has been at team meetings and things like that, but those are very impersonal. It's hard for me to explain to people the difference. But an encounter is just like being with another person and talking back and forth. So Mm -hmm. there he was, and he said, yes, I am here. And then I knew, I knew that, you know, I, I, well, I wasn't sure if anything had really happened to my own body or mind, but, but I knew everything, that this was different. This wasn't just a medical thing or a physical thing. And then I asked him, though, because I was getting concerned, I said, you know, can you help me? Can you help me? And he said, yes. He said, I can help you. And he reached forth with his right hand and touched me on the forehead with some light and on my shoulder on my right side. After that, I knew he had helped me, I could tell. And I turned around and I went down the stairs and went straight to the bed and laid down. And the lights faded. They were completely gone just within a couple minutes after I laid down. And of course Michael and Alex came home. And I I didn't tell them right away what had happened. But but what I wanted to tell everyone. This was March 5th. This was the moment that I felt the message from God was stop. Because I was stopped. I was completely stopped i couldn't i couldn't i moved a finger or something like that, but I couldn't go an inch. I was stopped and uh, well, but your yes. life
6: your life has slown down
7: oh yeah you have oh yeah, you
6: have stopped in your life also.
7: oh exactly um it, th- they told me to stop, slow down, and think about how I wanted my life to be and that is the opportunity that we are talking about. This is a, an anguishing time in a way, and I have gone through suffering too for some of my friends and family. But it is an opportunity. They say they want me to put out the message, and this is the message from God. And the words that he used and spoke were, Everyone will hear my word. Everyone will hear my word, and it was because of the action that he took with me. Everyone in this whole world, they know something has happened. That is uh, certainly super. Uh, this is a supernova. This is an yeah, explosion. It's of, much, much bigger most than Most certainly
2: a, so. Yes.
7: <laughs> I never bigger. thought it would see yeah. a time like this. Yes, and but his words to everyone, and the words that he spoke were everyone will hear my word because you know I I ask him, I say, you know, I I I have a hard time trying to get through to people. They they don't um they don't seem ready to, to hear me or to, to want to. The father and you're speaking I Yes about the Yes. Yeah. But the father told me, he says, Don't worry, everyone will hear my word and it's by these actions that he has done Everyone, even in Australia, our movie stars, Tom Hanks and his wife, everyone is being uh, being told, being affected, know about it. And so this is the message, the opportunity to finally stop, slow down, and think about what kind of a life do I really want. Now, we are given two more years to really, really think about this and try and put out of our life the things we don't really want in our life, and try and live the life that we want to live. The, The real second phase of the great worldwide religion of love, of Gabriel and Mother Venus, really begins March the 20th, 2022. This period, the phase one, is this kind of a phase for us to stop the treadmill of what we're doing and really figure out what is it in our life now i asked michael tonight because of the way that the father had uh, given this message to me to tell people um, a little bit about what the Arancha book says in the ascension career as we go up this earth is almost our beginning we really need to get a good start So that when we end our life, whenever that is, that we are ready to begin this ascension career. And God has given us a gift. This slowdown, as sad and as, um, uh, you know, uh, heartbreaking it is for some, is an opportunity, though, for everyone. Because everyone now has an opportunity to begin again. Think about what am I doing in my life? Is this really what I want? Is this really where I want to be? And how can I get on the ladder to the real ascension career and and be with with the Lord and actually be with the lord uh, in a in a way that uh, uh, is is uh, spiritual and heavenly and the way hello.
2: I'm sorry, Michael and Diane seem to have dropped off, so let me put on a a quick song and we'll try to get them back.
0: horizon the sun raising his eyes arms lifted to greet the dawn as fiery eyes of wisdom shine above a day All of my life I have seen many offerings To the gods and all the wonder that they hold But how many people really can hear the pipes of pan As they sound across our sacred land of old I can see a cloven hoof falling on the best skin of the earth. I can see life returning, feel the triple one's rebirth. Golden-light dapples across the woodland As the piper dances and plays places tune And the hunter horned one Spirit of man to the moon All of my life I have seen Offerings To the gods And all the wonder That they hold But how many people really can Hear the pipes Of pan As they sound Across our sacred land Of old Can you hear The
2: pipes of Greetings and welcome back to Pride of Olympus. We're on with Michael and Diane Duncan of the Sixth Revelation of the Magisterial Mission of Maitreya and now Gabriel's Worldwide Religion of Love. Greetings and welcome back.
6: Oh, greetings, Hercules. Boy, uh, <laughs> uh, I think the I think we just got stopped.
2: <laughs> yes, we, we talk- did. Uh, Texas- Technology is an amazing thing, but when it acts up, it acts up. And today, it started acting up.
6: Oh, has it been acting up a little earlier for you today or just now, you mean?
2: Yes, it, it, it acted up during Nick's uh, show in the beginning uh, also. Uh, and oh, I was I able see. to fix that without anything getting interrupted. Uh, but uh, in our uh, discussion, it got interrupted. So, uh, um there, there There seem to be sometimes uh um, currents in the world that don't want certain information getting out so they make it difficult and fortunately <laughs> uh we ne we all never give up so we'll just we'll just keep going <laughs> that's
6: right uh that's right the forces of good will always prevail
2: <laughs> i I believe that uh, very much as well um so Diane was sharing uh with us uh Her experience, the message that came From uh, her experience uh, And also her understanding Of this uh, message And its applications. Uh, So I guess we'll just return back uh, to there
6: Okay, that sounds great, Hercules Uh, And did you I I hope the listeners uh, Caught that last sentence That Diane said right before The cutoff It was
7: Um, Yes Um, The Father said that everyone will hear my word. Everyone. Everyone. And this is the thing. This is the thing. We were told that during this transition period, this first phase of the worldwide religion of love, that the Father and also uh, many of the Celestials, including Gabriel and Mother Venus, will enter the hearts of every person. Every single person on our whole planet, 7 billion people, enter their hearts and try and give them a message, a personal message. And this is what is really important about this stoppage and this slowdown, that people will now have maybe a moment to relax and let the father and the mother come in and give them these messages and show them they can have a different life and how to do that and how to have that different life. The other thing, Hercules, I wanted to mention about this is this appeared to me at first as if it was a... Well, first I told Michael it was like a jail cell because it had bars going around me all the way around. But then Michael said, well, I'm sure it wasn't like a jail. And then I thought about it, and I thought, well, maybe you could call it a, um, um, well, a chamber of light. It was a a chamber. And, you know, then when I talked to uh, my celestials about it, they said, well, what it really was, was a way for the Father to bring you to where he was and bring you to the level where he was which was not physical. So this is what they told me afterward. I I thought I was in a jail, but instead I think it was more like an elevator, Hercules. <laughs> yeah, it was Star Trek all the way.
2: <laughs> yes, and uh, <laughs> we've been making inroads... Uh, In the Star Trek universe, which is fictive, uh, but the celestials are behind that as well. So, uh, but that's a conversation for another way. That is amazing, and uh, are people going to hear actual words, or will this come to them in dreams, visions, synchronicities, uh, uh, and other forms? Do you know?
7: Um, Just a second. Hold on. They will talk to them in their heart. They will hear the words. In their mind, they will. You know, they talk to me in my mind, and they will talk to the people in their mind and give them ideas about how to begin a new way of living, more in line with the Father's will. And the Father said, "'Everyone will hear my words.'" Everyone will hear my word. Actually, he said word. He didn't say words. But uh, I, I'm sure that's what he meant or, um, you know, it sounded like it. Everyone will hear my word. Now, whether it will be uh, Venus or whether it will be, um, you know, Gabriel or who, but but I'm getting that the Father also will speak to every single person of the seven billion himself. I mean, that's what I got at the beginning I also know that the Melchizedek's and Mother Venus and Gabriel said they would also enter the hearts of every person and speak to them, too. But I'm told with this last vision, and it wasn't a vision. I was fully awake at all times, that he said, everyone will hear my word. I take that to mean that they will. I mean, his words are not lightly given. No so no, I I am, I'm you know I'm going to say that I believe that everyone will hear his word as I do maybe through their mind but they will hear it so yes the answer to your question is I believe that yes that that's true now again though we have been told that the other um celestials there are some specifically that are going to try and give help during this two years suggestions But the Father in this last time said, everyone will hear my word. And so I'm going to take it as his word. (laughs) Well, you
2: should. (laughs) Yes,
7: you should. I mean, if you you trust anyone, you trust in the Lord, I
2: guess. That that is
7: correct. Those were the words that he gave me. Because I I was kind of uh, pleading. I was saying, you know, what do I do? You know, people will not listen to me or do not want to believe me. And he said, what do we do, you know? And he says, everyone will hear my word. Those were the exact words that he said and gave to me. So I would assume. So so it will be up
2: to humanity then whether to heed the words uh, they hear in their hearts or in their head. Um, And we're certainly doing all we can to spread uh, the message uh, through various uh, mediums. I got your um, Uh uh, email the other day, and I got your picture, and I know you've sent it to Uh many other people, and you've been uh, talking about it on the podcast. You've been taking the podcast and putting them up on YouTube. Uh, So you're, you're certainly doing more than your part to get this information out to people uh, where they can access it, uh, be prepared for it, and understand it when it happens to them.
7: Um, there's one more thing I want the people to know, and I believe this thoroughly. So I want them to know. Uh, I was told also, and I and I was almost afraid to say this to you, but Hercules, I know that you you trust me and what I say. I know you have, and. I, I I am trustable in this. I am telling you what I believe and what they've told me. They told me uh, that they actually took me to heaven. Wow. Where he, was, where he was. I really have been afraid to, and I haven't really said I haven't said that to anybody. But this is the truth that what they told me. They took you to heaven. Now, not my body because I could actually, you know, I was in my body, but my consciousness, um, they took me to heaven, to where he was. Because, you see, they didn't, at first I thought they brought him to me. I mean, they, um, I mean, I went to him, brought them to me. I mean, it gets confusing, I know. um, Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, after Uh, a while, this is what they truly told me. They said, uh, you know, that this chamber of light was instrumental and needed to take me to heaven, that it was needed. This fiery um, elevator or whatever you want to call it was needed to take me to heaven to be where he was. Now, I'm not telling anyone Uh, that you have to have that to go to heaven, you know, maybe in other ways or other places, or, you know, I know there's lots of heavens, they say, but this is what they told me, that uh, this is why they had to put me in this, uh, I called it a jail, but it's not, it was a chandelier of light, a chamber of light, and they said it was needed to take me to heaven where he was, so, but the thing I wanted to tell people about that
2: is,
4: huh?
2: Yes, some beings, uh, they're they're more resonant with their heavens, and they don't come here, uh, they bring us there.
7: Yes, but I did want to mention to people that if they are ever worried about actually dying, I know a lot of people have been fearful during this time of this uh, coronavirus, yes. and I do want to tell them that uh, you can be out of your body in a second, and... It is a perfect feeling and not to be afraid, not to be afraid, because in even in the first encounter, I was out of my body, and I could see, I could hear, I could speak, I could talk to the angels, and I was not afraid in the least, and I was not this time. I was not afraid. You do not have to fear. Now, uh, I hope that that is the way it would be for everyone but maybe this will give some hope to those that might have a fear of death. You, you need not. You can still hear, see, speak, do everything, even feel. So that is the other message I wanted to give.
2: Thank you. That is a reassuring message uh, to many people. Um, I know that uh, I was not allowed the luxury of uh, not knowing about spirits, because like you, I've been communicating with uh, spirits since uh, uh, as far back as I can remember, uh, so um, communicating with uh, folks who have passed on that I knew, that I didn't know, uh, and uh, beings that are not, uh, you know, human in the sense uh, that uh, we are, um, That uh, they're always talking to us You know, we're never really alone We're always looked after We're always looked over um, And uh, we live in a much more marvelous world Than uh, most people think
6: Yes And, you know, the Arantia book tells us Hercules, as you know And, uh, you know, other, of course, religious, spiritual traditions especially the uh, Olympian pantheon, that uh, that the, the gods, the celestials, the angels, whatever you want to call them, uh, they're the ones that, that pretty much, uh, you know, made <laughs> made everything that we're existing in here and keep it running. And <clears throat> they have direct involvement, indirect involvement. We know that. And uh, it's a wonderful thing, you know, because the, the Rancho book gives us so much hope and comfort Saying that it's a friendly universe, it's a friendly yes. universe. You know, it's uh, it's it's run, it's created, it's run, it's upheld, it's uh, overseen uh, by beneficent celestials. You know, some some have tried to demonize celestials throughout the ages, but but we're told that they're all all of them helping, beneficent. They're all doing the Father's will. You know, in different ways. So that's a that's a great hope especially for this time because if it is a friendly universe and if there are things happening on this earth that are perceived to be bad well it's it's maybe a little maybe we could shift our perspective a little bit to well it is <clears throat> the cosmos, the friendly cosmos and the celestials working in some way because as we know it's it's always a progression upward and inward always I mean we, we do step back and I think you know in some ways humanity has stepped back a little bit uh, we're thinking and they're telling us especially within the last 50 years or so that humanity has taken a little step back morally uh, ethically, and the technology has kind of outdone outdone us, you know, morally and ethically and spiritually and religiously and such. So this is a time to stop, slow down, take, uh, you know, take an account of everything, and see if we can better our situation, and like Diane said, the the message was try to imagine Imagine the life you want, you know. So, so they're involved, uh, obviously, at this time because we feel like there's something greater than us going on with this, uh, you know, with this virus, and people are really, people are really valuing their lives. I mean, they're running around with gloves and they're running around with masks and social distancing and all that. It seems like they really. There's a real value to life going on like people really are valuing their life on this planet but in this friendly universe this planet is only one little small tiny little speck of existence it's kind of like a it's kind of like a beginning point according to you know the Arantia book so there's there's a hope Hercules and one of the one of the hopes is to be better, is to know that we can be better and to try to be better. Like, we just finished our, uh, well, kind of a demo for our sixth album. It's called God Bless Uh the World. (laughs) And there's a song on it. It's called (laughs) Be God's Best. And I just wanted to sing a tiny little bit of Be God's
2: Best. Sure, that'd be great. The
6: the. The refrain repeats, it's just a simple refrain and then it goes into a spoken section, but it kind of encapsulates uh, what I myself personally seem to be feeling and receiving about what this period of time is, this transition period of time is about before we get to 2020 when Gabriel's, I mean, excuse me, 2022, when Gabriel and Mother Venus's worldwide religion kicks in. Alright, so this is called Be God's Best Be God's Best, okay? Be. Be Be God's Best Be God's
5: Best Be God's Best Be God's
6: Best Be God's Best Be God's Best What does it mean to be God's Best? First We must realize that we are all the children of God. We are the mortal offspring of God the Father in heaven. We are all brothers and sisters who exist on this earth, not for the sake of existence alone. We have very important God-given responsibilities as members of the human family of God. We are here to learn God's ways, to grow in holiness, and to help others be the best they can be. We are also here to love, to love one another and to love God. Being God's best means pushing aside selfish desires that lead us to harm others in our quest for material gain. In contrast, being God's best means opening our hearts to humanity, to act on opportunities to love serve, help, and uplift everyone that comes into our lives. But above all, we must love God, who is our maker, our friend, our guide, and our beneficent upholder. The best thing we can do is to thank God daily for all of our abundant blessings, and in addition, in addition to loving God, to love one another And to be God's best.
0: Be God's best.
6: Be God's best. 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 Amen.
2: (laughs) Wow. That was impressive. And, uh synchronicities, uh, meaningful coincidences are very important. Uh, guess what book I was reading today?
0: Be
6: God's Best?
2: You Are God's Best by T.L. Osborne.
0: Oh,
6: A my classic
2: on human goodness. value. So th- that was very synchronistic, and uh, we could add that to the many synchronicities uh uh, I get when I speak with you and Diane. the the universe communicates powerfully through synchronicities, so that was certainly a synchronicity
6: well, fantastic, yeah, we are God's best, you know i mean we're we're pretty we're pretty darn good us humans I mean, we have a lot of work to do, of course but uh but we're great, and we've got a spark of divinity within us, and uh we're all in our own way trying. And, uh, you know, that's one that's one very important aspect of Gabriel's worldwide religion of love, Hercules. And this is our, our radio program that you have so graciously given to us to talk about Gabriel's worldwide religion of love. And that is that this new religion is not necessarily a religion like we think about religion, like a, a tradition tradition. Traditional religious establishment. It is a personal religion. See, that's the thing. It, yes, it's a it's a personal religion. It's a personal way, just for each person on Earth. A personal path. We have we have all of these beneficent celestials we've talked about that are in the Olympian pantheon, that are in the book, and many, 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 many more, that during this time of transition, in uh, the first phase of Gabriel's worldwide religion of love, they're going to come to us, and they're going to impart to us, in whatever way they do, I don't know, maybe inwardly, outwardly, certainly we're seeing outward symbols, Of of shake up and slow down but they're going to come to each person and plant a seed of what they can do personally in their own personal religion to I don't know, love God to listen to God to learn to learn how to function in a higher and better way
2: and that's a wonderful uh, thing. And uh, I'm greatly honored to be able to provide a platform through which you can share this uh, message with uh, people.
6: Well, thank you, Hercules. And, uh, you know, of course, you've been instrumental in, in helping us develop uh, develop everything that we've developed with uh, our celestial friends and helping us to express it and develop it as we express it. And each, uh, I, I just wanted to say that that um, you know, each person now. Diane and I are receiving lots of messages all the time. We're having team meetings. We're trying mm-hmm. to translate. We're trying to translate uh, what they're trying to tell us, and you know what we should be saying, like on radio programs and in our songs and things. We're trying to translate, and. Bring about the message as best we can As humans With fallibilities with of course But um, But we're told That each person Not just us With the, the new religion And receiving messages and expressing them But every person will have a role to play Every person Will be receiving messages Every person will be talking To God in some way You know Um, Everyone will hear his word. Everyone will hear his word. And that I just wanted to take a little time here just for a second to kind of talk about talk about the structure of things here just a little bit. So Gabriel, Gabriel's worldwide religion of love is. Gabriel, the, we know him in past as Archangel Gabriel. We know him as Hephaestus in the Greek. Bright and Morning Star in the Ranch book. We know him as uh, being instrumental in expressing the Quran to Muhammad, announcing to Mary the birth of Jesus, you know, uh, talking to Joan of Arc and doing so many things. Sanat Kumara in Neo-Theosophy. He is, he is the one driving the engine for the new worldwide religion of love. Mother Venus is his consort. Gabriel is imparting messages of divine truth to help us. Mother Venus is filling our hearts with divine love, and love in ways we're not sure in what ways yet. Uh, she will be also bringing to us a touch of beauty, a touch of beauty, wow. heavenly beauty, heavenly beauty of some sort. So they're the engines that are driving the new worldwide religion. They are under the guidance and the the plan of the local universe father. So when Diane, <clears throat> excuse me, when Diane is talking about the father, the father, she had an encounter with the father. She's talking about the local universe father, who is the the sovereign of the local universe, our local universe of 10 million inhabitable planets, of which we're a part. He's the local universe father, also known in other traditions, Olympian traditions, Olympian tradition as Zeus. Uh, He's known as Yahweh uh, uh, and Shamash. And he is co-sovereign with the local universe mother of Nebadon, who is Hera, and she's also known as, uh, in the Egyptian, as Hathor. So these two are have the plan, and Gabriel is the firstborn of the local universe father and local universe mother. In the ranch Book, Hephaestus was the son of Zeus and Hera. And you have Mother Venus. So those two are under the guidance of the local universe father and local universe mother. Now, there's also in the Arantia book, and of course in the cosmos, the universal father. The universal Mm -hmm. father is also known as Uranus in uh, the Greek tradition. He has an overall plan for the world, for our world. He wants our world to be eventually uh, a beacon of light, an example for other planets in our solar system and other planets in other solar systems, maybe other local universes. It's an experiment. This planet is an experiment planet, and they want to see if this experiment can work, if they can, you know, work their magic make this a really bright and beautiful shining globe. And I think I think they're going to do it. So, uh light and life for everyone. So those are the those are the main characters in the new worldwide religion of love, of Gabriel and Mother Venus. But also working, also working is Lord Maitreya. We've talked about Lord Maitreya
4: yeah, many is, times. Yeah.
6: He's doing boots on the ground social programs so really this pandemic that we're going through right now is Maitreya's deal this is his, his work on a real material tangible worldly level this is his part uh, and he's going to be putting in for the next 30 years lots of lots of changes and of course Uriel, Uriel. says don't fear the changes Don't fear the changes, (laughs) because everything's going to work out, all right? So there's Maitreya and Melchizedek, angels, Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, all working on our planet at this time to help. So we need not fear. Take this opportunity to really view your life, see what you want as an individual, and see what you want us to be as a collective global society.
2: Just to share with you, um, uh, this new uh, platform is meant to facilitate uh, that. Um, We have on Fridays, which is when your new uh, show will be, uh, the first Friday of the month, Living Theosophy. Uh, The second Friday of the month will be Unarian Revelations, which is uh, the uh, Unarius Academy of Science. Uh, The third Friday of each month is Living Theergy. Uh, The fourth Friday of each month is the sixth revelation and all its uh, subsequent uh, uh, steps and developments. And the fifth Mm -hmm. Friday of each month, uh, not every month has a fifth Friday, but it will be focusing specifically on Ascension.
7: Oh, wonderful.
2: And in in addition to Fridays, um, Nick's shows have been moved to Saturday, and he deals with a lot of the same uh, topics. Uh, Uh primarily through the Urantia book. So uh, that will have a a platform there as well, the Fifth Revelation, uh, which is what Nick uh, uh, adheres to. And then on Sundays, I will have a show that's, again, dedicated to Ascension. And we are going to start very soon having those roundtable discussions. And what we're going to do in the roundtable discussions is uh, people are going to share their understandings of various, various specific celestials.
7: Oh, good. So
2: that uh, we can get a better understanding of what they're doing <laughs> since mm-hmm. antiquity. Um, yeah. yeah, it'll become clear that, that they, they give revelations, they give visions, they start movements, and uh, uh, these all serve the common purpose of uh, ascension because this is a schoolroom. You know, we are uh, gods in embryo. Of so uh, um, that's going to come into focus uh, through this new programming and we're going to focus also on the uh, uh, people who are um, active in this world uh, we're calling it the age of heroes and we wow. have everybody from politicians to uh, religious leaders to uh, social workers to activists you know who are trying to make a difference in this uh, world so this yeah. is just the next step it, it's but it's slowly starting to come into focus better and better and better uh, until at one point it will be very clear you know, that uh, there is a divine plan and that this is what the divine plan is. It's been the divine plan since the dawn of time, and it will continue to be the, the divine plan. So uh, th- that's what I'm working uh, towards uh, slowly, and I want to thank the both of you for being a phenomenal part of that because uh, I'm very privileged to be experiencing uh, Uh, The birth of a new uh, Religious impulse um, And a new Revelation so uh, thank you For including me in that
7: Oh you're most welcome
6: Of course Hercules of course And so many Other people are included as We mentioned before Um, There was one celestial that I I Didn't say that is is Working very hard right now And you know we can uh, On that fifth on that fifth Friday, we can explore a little bit. Is uh, Poseidon, uh, also yeah. known as Neptune in the Roman, uh, the the watery element, uh, the emotional, the emotional element. He says that during this time, this big, what we call the great slowdown, this uh, coronavirus pandemic and switching up gears, this great slowdown is uh, is is a contribution uh contribution maybe not contribution but it's a it's a method by uh neptune by poseidon to calm people's emotions to get people to calm down emotionally you know we're like we're like uh, you know how sometimes when there's a rain or like if you're watering your garden and all of the ants come up to the surface And they bring all their little egg babies, and they go crazy, and they're all frantic, you know. Uh Uh-huh. It seems like Neptune is is kind of getting us to to slow down and not be such frantic little ants or such frantic little busy bees to, to get us to think of, you know, how we can be better and how our planet can be better. And it is an opportunity. In the Arantia book, just to kind of finish up here, um about this uh, opportunity idea that is part of the father's message, local universe father's message. We read about in the Urantia book. And in fact that is I I would uh argue the main theme of the Urantia book because it is the Earth book. You know, Urantia means Earth.
2: Earth, yes.
6: That it's it's meant for us to read About our Ascension career, about our career of kind of starting on this earth and, you know, growing our souls, growing our souls to, you know, unite with the Father eventually in our, uh, in heaven, in paradise. We start on the individual world. We go through a local system which is uh, about a thousand worlds, inhabitable worlds. We go through a constellation, which is about 100 local systems. Then we reach the local universe level of functioning and learning. That's about 100 constellations. We reach our minor sector, 100 local universes. Major sector, 100 minor sectors. And then we get to a super universe. We have seven super universes in this particular grand universe that we talk about, and that's ten major sectors. And as we ascend inward and upward, we ascend through a billion worlds of Havona, and then we reach the uh, we reach paradise. We reach the Isle of Paradise, where we <clears throat> we eventually uh, meet with the Father, the universal Father, according to the Ranch Book, and we we rejoice, and we become finaliters when we take a ceremony. And the finaliters, what they do, Hercules, is they are supreme servants of God. They go all throughout the grand universe, possibly master universe, to serve, to help, and to do God's will. And we are on that path We're on that path
2: Yes, all of us, yes
6: Yes Some of us are on there more than others You know (laughs) We don't know We're all on there (laughs) But we're all on there Uh, But this is a time for us To really get on there It's, It's an opportunity for us To get on there And really be firm And really do it Rejoice in working for God and uplifting our brothers and sisters,
2: definitely. That is incredibly awesome. Let me see how we're doing on uh, time. Okay, we're nearing the end, and I have to play the rest of the song to Pan uh, to thank him for uh, um, keeping uh, nature uh, vibrant and alive and protected as much as uh, he can. Um, How can people find out More about you and Diane And uh, the sixth revelation And uh, Gabriel's Worldwide uh, religion of love Um, How would they be able to uh, Get involved if they care to Or if they want to um, Thank the celestials Or bring more love into our planet
6: Oh thank you for that Question Hercules Thank you because one of the main elements of this whole, um, this whole time is the father and mother's 10-year plan. Thank the father every day. If you want to say God, thank the father three times a day for our precious life. Thank our mother, local universe mother, our heavenly mother, three times a day for all of our blessings. Personally, you can do that. You can also make a temple in your home, a place where you can be quiet, you can listen to God, and you can talk to God. That's what people can do personally. Now, study also. Study is very important. Um, people may have the opportunity now to do a little more studying. If they have the time, study uh, religion, study you know deeper things. Deeper things, and think about God personally. They can do that. Uh, as far as the uh, Gabriel's Worldwide Religion of Love, if if they like to explore a little bit of that, that's uh, you can see some of our videos on our YouTube channel that go a little bit more in depth of what they're doing and what's happening uh, during the during the Worldwide Religion of Love. Uh, that's Michael and Diane two N's. Duncan, D-U-N-K-I-N. That's our YouTube channel. Michael and Diane Duncan. Uh, New Worldwide Religion of Love. Maitreya's involvement. Gabriel and Venus, Local Universe Father and Mother, and many other Celestials, too, have come to visit us and talk about their roles. Okay? And then, uh, if you'd like to email us, it's M-I-C-H A-E-L D-U-N-K-I-N The number one at Hotmail.com And also our albums Are on CD Baby We have five albums Now soon to be six And many of those Many of those songs Thanks Hercules well you've been an inspiration For a lot of those songs by the way (laughs) A lot of those A lot of those songs have The messages from the Celestials um, Tributes Praise um, you know, for them outpourings of love for them a lot of teachings a lot of the teachings that they want out uh, in those songs so YouTube channel CD Baby and my artist page is Reverend Michael Duncan for that you can check out uh, you can down stream, uh, download or stream the songs if you'd like anybody if anyone would like just email me and I'll send you we'll send you yeah. free album We'll send you free artwork too
2: <laughs> so. Oh awesome And uh, um, very soon Your songs will be coming To the to our new station as well So thank you to you and Diane And uh, I wish you great success With your amazing uh, adventure And uh, I- I'm looking forward To its unfoldment
6: Well thank you Hercules It's been a real pleasure Working with you all these years And, and especially now With this uh wonderful new opportunity and platform that you have and including our music we really appreciate that just want to tell everybody to be God's best
2: there you go (laughs) take good care Michael and Diane I'll talk to you soon
0: thank you, thank you Hercules
2: bye take care, bye bye